regulators. We regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good, too. But you can't be any geek off the street. Gotta be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators! I'll make you famous. This is The Law. Live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. You hear it there, folks. Regulators, mount up! We're ready for another episode of The Law, live audio wrestling. I'm your host, Chris Tidwell. It's always fun to be here. My co-host, little Brady Wedham. Man, this is going to be one hell of a week. So much going on in the world of combat sports. Whew. And, and still, still, still flying off the buzz of everything that has happened last week. The momentum inside of pro wrestling and combat sports is unbelievable. But before we get to all of that, thank you very much to everybody who's joining us. Thank you to everybody who's listening on all of your podcast providers, Spotify, Apple iTunes, all of the great ones, and even the ones that I don't even know about, but you do. Brady? Thanks for joining, man. How has your week been? Are you uh, are you still on the side of a mountain like a mountain goat broadcasting? I am on the side of a mountain. I am staring at the Montreal River. I smell like a campfire, and I wouldn't have it any other way, sir. How was your week? You uh, you have quite the um, I'm for lack of a better term, we're gonna call it a mustache for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, for now, I say. I mean, it's... This is a full beard, sir. You're looking very French-Canadian, I must say. Very French-Canadian. I don't even know if that's the accent, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm French-Canadian. You're, like you're like a Georges Saint Ware. Like, mm. it's, where the hell are you? Well, I'm a little With... worn, too, so wear and All tear. Right. Absolutely. And we'll talk about him coming up soon, because there's rumors abounding... There is rumors abounding about yes. one GSP and the possibility of the uh, UFC number three zero zero. Sir, we have a lot to talk to... about. <laughs> we we have a lot to talk about in the world of MMA. We yeah. have a lot to talk about in combat sports as a whole. We're going to talk a little wrestling this week. We're going to talk a little boxing this week. A little, little bit of the UFC. A bit of the bare knuckle stuff. Wow, and it was a it was a crazy weekend for combat sports. We're gonna make sure that you get filled in. You make sure that uh, you hear all of the takes, the hot takes for myself and Chris in regards to the events this weekend. And uh, we gotta throw it off to a sponsor right away. We've got a rule. It's like every in the first five minutes we have to hit a sponsor. Dude. So I well, we're just trying to obey. We're just trying to obey the law here. We are obeying the law. Live audio wrestling, the law. We'll be right back. Hey, Santa? Yes, my elf? I have a real particular list from an older kid from Hamilton. Well, I'm sure we can help a Hamiltonian. They like a three-day party. Oh. One that stokes out the headbangers, mm. the punks, the hippies, oh, the hip-hop heads, yeah. the drag queens, and they want pictures with sexy Santa. Ho, ho, ho! Sexy pictures with me. No. 
They specifically said not you. Give them passes to Past Presents Future, December 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Corktown in Hamilton. Fanatickets.com. And we are back, or as the Mountain Goat would say, back. That's us right now. So, you know, thank you to all of the sponsors. Without you guys and without you folks listening right now, none of this is possible. Um, so thank you to all of that. Now, let's talk about this weekend in combat sports because we had a lot going on, dude. There was UFC in Austin. Mm-hmm. There was Bare Knuckle in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yes, there was. And then there was a Ryan Garcia, Oscar Duarte boxing uh, match in Houston. Do we call them boxing matches or boxing fights? What is the actual term for a boxing bout? Um, Well, I mean, it could just be that. I would think of it as a match because it is a matchup, right? And you have... You know, um, matchroom boxing, you have, it's always just kind of like been that to me because I mean, you could say it's a fight, but then there's a certain part of me when I watch boxing that doesn't seem like as much of a fight. This is a really weird progression. I thought last, uh, on Saturday night, uh, when I was watching all this, cause it's everything I kind of got screwed up, dude. I, I thought that the bare knuckle stuff was Friday night. So I had, I was going to have myself a little bit of no, you were up all there night. Was, there was no breathing room. There was no breathing room. It was multiple screens going on all at the same time to catch all of this action. And here's what I've noticed. As far you know, when you ask, like, what is it going to be? Is it, a, is it a boxing match? Is it a fight? Is it about whatever it is? It was definitely probably the biggest money event that went on this past weekend but it certainly was not the most violent. That's for sure. It was probably the least violent. And I'm talking about Ryan Garcia, so let's get into this one right away. Let's get it out the way. Ryan Garcia ends up winning this fight um, and, and takes out Oscar Duarte, TKO round eight. There's some weird stuff going into this fight. Uh, the heat between uh, Ryan Garcia and uh, Pretty Boy, um, you know, uh, Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya, and Bernard Hopkins, and that whole crew. And we're going to have to wait and see how this kind of plays out. But clearly, Ryan Garcia is not happy with what's going on with his arrangement with Golden Boy. But he does end up winning this fight in kind of a weird – he he was he didn't look great. Let's just put it that way. And he was doing this weird kind of shoulder roll, you know, like the Mayweather shoulder roll that he does. But he's not built to do that kind of move. And so it was almost like he was turning his back, like that full side motion, turning his back on his opponent. And Duarte just didn't know how to react to it. Now, this is also Ryan Garcia's first fight with a brand new trainer, right? So we'll see how that goes because this kid is going through some stuff. And I want to see Ryan Garcia succeed. And I want to see him succeed in the world of professional boxing and not have to go the route of hey my next big fight is going to be against jake paul no, i don't want to see him have to go over to like misfit boxing or any of that stuff i would rather see jake paul transfer over into real 
you know, professional batch, uh, uh, matchups, yeah. you know, some PBC stuff or some stuff I on Amazon. You, you want to see Jake Paul transition in the backyard wrestling. I was like, yes, throw him off the top of a house. I mean, that would be fantastic. Let's bring back Josh Prohibition, Mad Dog 20. Let's do the original backyard wrestling stuff. Bring out tag, team, tag team against the Paul brothers. There you go. <laughs> bring out Madman Pondo. Let's go. Throw, throw him through some light tubes. Yeah, but that would so, be fantastic. You're right. Like with with the you do not want to see him fight Jake Paul. That is not a thing we want to see. We want to see Jake Paul go to MMA, go to the PFL, do the thing with whoever. But we do not want to see any more Jake Paul boxing. And if we do, we do not want to see it against Garcia. No, no, absolutely not. Now, moving on, we had we had the do you want to go UFC or do you want to go straight to bare knuckle? Because both of these were fantastic events, but for for kind of wrong reasons. Okay. Yeah, let's go so on let's over. let's talk about the UFC event that happened last night. UFC fight night, uh Benil Dariush and Armin Saruki and in the main event last night, listen, we don't normally talk about the results of the prelims, but last night was absolutely bonkers for the first time. Crazy. We've all heard about this, this whole thing, like when you get picked up and slammed onto your head. We all seen it, you know, famously, the Rampage Jackson slam in Pride, yep. right? We've all seen this happen, but a lot of times... Matthews. A lot of times when guys get slammed on their head, it doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot other than tighten up the move that's there. It's usually a triangle issue, yeah. And absolutely the right thing to do when you as the person getting picked up is to defend that, you know, let go of what you're trying to hold on to with your arms. Try to defend the slam so that you don't get slammed onto the back or side of your head, which, ladies and gentlemen happened not once this past weekend twice and it almost happened a third time but now you would say to yourself well that's not that big of a deal guys get slammed in these fights all of the time right no no these finishes came back to back yeah and they were like power bombs but power bombs to the side of the head. This is the new thing. The guys are not just trying to slam them straight down because you're trying to slam and turn away out of it. Well, and you're and not allowed to spike. You're not allowed to spike guys anymore. That they they made a rule pretty much everywhere that spiking guys directly down on their head is is now illegal. But the side slamming thing, absolutely. You're and, the, and both times, running. Both times that this happened, the first one with Jakar close uh, slamming Joe Selecki down onto the side of his head. He didn't let go. He didn't defend the slam. He tried to hold on to to the to the body and the positioning and it didn't work out so well uh, i mean out cold bam instantly then followed up immediately cody brundridge does the same exact thing to zachary reese now zachary reese tried he tried to defend it but he tried to defend it with the wrong arm and he tried to defend it by letting go because they were up against the cage and grabbing a hold of the cage so he's trying to reach up rather than reach down to defend. And dude wasn't lifting you up anymore. You weren't going up. You were about to go down. That's what you need to defend. And he didn't. It was a very, very basic uh, mistake in the grappling game, I felt, anyways, by watching this. And both of these guys, thankfully, they're okay. And, you know, they have to learn from this because just as much as that game is evolving, you have to learn how to defend those things now that it's being turned over into a – slam onto the side of the head 
So in a in a company like the UFC or say something like PFL or one, if someone breaks their neck this way on the receiving end of it, do you think that they ban the slams? Just one person? Because you were close yesterday. The the you'd first one the first one was very close. You'd have to, but the, here's the problem that I see with that is then you can't even then you're cutting yourself from a lot of defense out of those slams. 100% what if somebody has that rear naked on you and, you know, you see the guys try to slam, try to throw themselves backwards into a back bump to defend. It usually doesn't work that way. What I've said, and now you're starting to see more forward is take that front bump spike yourself because the person on your back is going to let go of the neck to defend themselves if they're smart, or they're going to spike their own forehead through the mat. Or if it's so third I think round, it takes they're going to slide off. It takes away too much uh, until there's like serious mitigation and somebody actually dies from it. No, I yeah. don't think you're going to see that rule ever change. They, that's silly enough with this 12 o'clock, six o'clock elbow oh, this, that's rule that the they have. Rule. I understand so, no soccer kicks, but come on with the elbows. What, what does, what difference does the angle actually make? They too many idiots watched the ice breaking videos. We all know this story. This it's just dumb. And what you need to have, what you need to have more, more so than more so, I think, than the rules in place, I think you need to have uh, competent refereeing is oh, way more man. important. We're going to lead into this. The reason that I say this, the reason that I say this uh, is because last weekend, this past weekend, there was a fight between Bobby Green taking on Jalen Turner, Jalen Turner coming in on short notice. Which, if you listen okay. last week, we Tid pretty much told me live during the show, and I was freaking out, and it did not disappoint until you got to the finish. Yeah, Jalen Turner came in short notice, uh, did exactly what Jalen Turner does. Yep, uh, it was a you know it was a fantastic uh, couple of minutes, two and a half minutes of that first round. I mean, they're talking to one another. Both of these guys. Both of these guys representing Fontana, California. Both of these guys have trained together. Both of these guys, like this was kind of kind of poet poetic in a way. And then the end happened. And Jalen Turner ends up catching Bobby Green with a shot. Boom. He's out. Quick left. He yeah. jumps down. He jumps down, hits him a couple of times, and he's still out. He tries to, he tries to like mount up and position up and push himself up or whatever, because he's trying to get away from the situation. He doesn't know where he is. Yeah. He's out cold. This oh, he's is instinctual. Out. It's instinctual that he's got a fight or flight kick in and he's trying to get away from it, but he is in no way defending any of this stuff gets knocked out again. And then repeated, repeated blows to the head from a referee, Carrie Hatley, who normally is a very competent referee stands there looking at it. Like he's trying to decide what to order off of a menu. This was absolutely <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Well, Dana said in the presser afterwards that he had had a talk with him. And basically the impression was, yes, he realized he made a mistake. It, they don't know if he was caught up in the moment or just what happens. You, you, I, I was a pro wrestling referee, and I can definitely admit fault at times, especially the longer the night you have. You'll get lost at some points in your own head while you're out there and not even realize that 10 seconds just passed. And you've probably right. done it at wrestling, like where you're just like, how the fuck did I get into the – how has he got me in a chin lock? Yeah. I don't even – I was just in the fucking corner. Like you just yeah. 
you have a thought, you get lost in it. You people do it driving and get in car accidents every day and make some really bad mistakes. So I I can't completely shit on him. It wasn't like an early stoppage, but I can't completely defend him either. I think that was a really bad, bad, one of the worst calls I've seen since the the, uh, the Yamasaki days. Well, this is this is like Yamasaki, Steve Mazzagatti, uh, Cecil Peoples all rolled into one. And here's why I'm going <laughs> to shit on it. Oh, wow. All right. Here's why I'm going to shit on it, Brady, because we're talking about people's lives here. And I will always, I will always, always, always err on the side of caution with these guys. We see it too many times where there's been a call for an early stoppage. And everybody's like, oh, let him go out on his shield. He's got to fight more. Laser warriors. Until something like this happens. And the next stage when something like this happens, because we're talking about people's lives. This dude is getting rocked in the head. Side of the head. Unprotected punches to the temple. For all we know, this guy could be eating pablum through a fucking straw for the next rest of his life all because a referee is sitting here staring at him and taking heat from the crowd about stopping fights too early yeah bullshit and that's what i think bullshit i think that's what happened i honestly think that's what happened people have been complaining so like even yuri yuri said it best at the end of that fight with uh with alex i was out it was good stoppage the whole crowd was booing like crazy Booing yeah. like crazy until you're yeah. like, no, it was justified stoppage. I was out. Because you know why the crowd boos like crazy with stuff like that? Psychos. And they don't like they don't like people seeing like they don't like grappling and wrestling up against the cage. Because fans are idiots. Because we've gone to the point where all of this stuff seems almost like gladiator days all over again. And we've seen such fantastic knockouts. We've seen such amazing fucking fights that crowds in some areas just become completely bloodlust thirsty. Well, it leads to the, to my next point, which I'm going to do when we get back from the break, but it kind of leads to what I want to talk to you about this week in the world of wrestling. We have a few things to talk about in the world of wrestling, sure. but definitely this is, we're going to head into that direction. So leaving, leaving Bobby green, Leaving yeah. the referee, leaving uh that's yeah. not taking anything away from the tarantula. He did a fantastic job last night. 100%. He looked double the size of Bobby Green. Bobby's my boy. You know it. I've been I've been cheering Bobby on for years. Yep. It it's sad to see him uh, you know, lose not only lose a fight, but lose it and get potentially hurt for the rest of his life. But shouts out to Bobby Green because supposedly he is fine today, thank goodness. Yep. And yep. uh is ready to fight again. So I'm assuming Absolutely. we'll see him back by March. Here's and, the uh, thing. Shouts out to the tarantula. Thankfully, thankfully, everybody and everything is going to work out fine for this. But that leads us to the event last night that if you are looking for blood, if you are looking for that craziness and you're just throwing a lot of technique, right? A lot of uh, uh, fighting technique out the window, because let's face facts here, folks. BKFC, bare knuckle fighting, the um it i get it it's a completely different type of technique the way that you throw your punches the way that you turn your hands over the way that you move the way that you try to position i get it it's its own thing it really is but we are talking about every single fight every single fight transfers so much dna it's from cool. face to mat it's unbelievable the you amount sent- of cutting 
and 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 blood flow that there is in all of these fights. There was two text messages you sent me at the end of the UFC last night, or we're just just before the end of the UFC. Is sure. one, let's go, Benil. That didn't work yeah. out too well. No. Uh, and the second text was okay, BKFC. I responded back with, "Well, it's time for some blood and zero technique. Let's yeah, go." Absolutely. And and here's the thing: it did not disappoint the. The fights that you got to see uh, in BKFC, unfortunately, we did not get to see Big Ben Rothwell fight. That yeah, fight got got, got pulled the out. And then right? Todd but, Duffy came out and he, Todd. This is this is how stupid Todd Duff, and Todd. If you're listening, I apologize, my friend. You you got a great looking body. You should have done movies. Um, this meathead comes out and says, "Well, hey." Why are you pulling out of the fight, Ben? It's probably because you ate too much Thanksgiving dinner. I fought with COVID and you you don't see me bitching. And it's like, wait, what? How right. is that a defense? Yeah. You asshole. What do you, yeah. you say that yeah. again? Yeah. Hey, Tommy Morrison's on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Tommy Gunn's on the phone. He wants to talk to you, bud. Like, what, what, are, what are we doing here, Todd? What you the dope. hell, man? Yeah, but in its place as the co-main event, uh, Beck Rawlings and Christine uh, Faria. The OnlyFans queen, up. apparently. She's been touting saying she started the OnlyFans movement for combat sports women. And it's like, Beck? okay, yeah, Beck. Well, good yeah, for her. She started the simp movement for the combat sports. These these ladies came out and represented. It Killers. was one hell of a throwdown. Both of them did very very well. Killers. Um, and then in the main event. Well, before we even get to the main event, first, yeah, <laughs> first because we had we had Jeremy Stevens fight. There's a lot to talk Bear about Bumble. on this card. Yeah, right. We had we had uh, against Jimmy Rivera fighting on this fight. Kai Stewart and Howard Davis. Yep. Unbelievable. But because we have so much more to talk about, I want to talk about this main event very quickly. Let's go. Platinum Mike Perry taking on the king of the underground, Eddie Alvarez. Broken orbital bones for everyone. Listen, if anybody has not seen the video of the slap fight guy that Dana White just signed, who has the entire side of his face completely swollen out, like he got stung by every bee in existence. That's, That's what stupid. Eddie Alvarez looked like after the first punch. I said, as we're watching it, I said, um, he's got some, something's messed up with the side of his cheek. You can see it's broke. He's got a broken orbit. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's messed up. He's mm-hmm. not going to be able to take these shots. The fact that he got out of that round as much as he did, it didn't was make any unbelievable. Sense. It was a smart move. Everybody can bitch about it, and it was a smart move. Mike Perry, Mike Perry did not look that great. Oh, my God, what a stationary target. And Eddie Alvarez, like, lit him up. You could see... You could see Mike Perry after he got rocked from Eddie Alvarez that first couple of times. He was like, "Oh, I'm in, I'm in a real fight here. This is this is a little different." He had to bite down on that mouthpiece and get after it. Technique was definitely on Eddie's side. We knew going into this that Eddie Alvarez was way more of a, a technical boxer and a technical fighter as a whole than Mike Perry. But Mike Perry's one of those guys where he just—it's he, almost like it's a movie at this point with the guy, where he's just like, "Hit me, hit me, hit me." And then once you've you've broken your hand yeah. and you've broken something on his face, he's like, okay, it's time for my turn. Whack, yeah. whack, 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 whack. And you quit in the corner. Yeah. This is just it's becoming, like, this is a consistent thing that's happening with him. Michael Venom Page, Luke, now, now Eddie Alvarez. We're getting to the point where 
you know, I think Mike Perry may be the best BKFC fighter or bare knuckle fighter or whatever you want to call him. He's what is it? The king of violence now? He's got a king of, king violence, of violence title. I mean, he's made for that sport. He is. There's, he's there's the no doubt about it, right? He's the there real BMF. no doubt about it. So, so good for Mike Perry. I'm interested to see what they can do for him next, you know, but yep. he is, um, it's like, it's like trying to get into a fist fight with a freight train. Mm-hmm. You can punch it and you're going to hit it, but that thing is definitely going to run you over because it has a lot more gas than you do. And it just seems like this has become a war of attrition with all of these Mike Perry fights. I'm going to hit you hard. You're going to hit me hard, but I'm going to hit you hard. And I'm going to make you look at me and think to yourself, wait, do I want to still get punched in the face until I look like this guy that I'm fighting? And Mike Perry is like, I already look like this. So I'm just going to keep punching you in the face till you look like me. You know how he's a next-level tough dude is when you when you watch him at these pressers after the fight and his knuckles are completely stripped. Like, they're completely stripped, just, like, right down to, like, just to the bone, right? Yeah. On, and then, like, the, his his middle knuckles all the way to his, his outer knuckles, like, his entire fingers are destroyed after these fights. Unbelievable. And he'll sit there, and he's rubbing his hands. Do you know how much that would hurt a normal human being alone? Just yes. rubbing the open cuts like that on your hands. And he's doing it and he's not flinching. And he's like talking like, yeah, just I'll take pizza and I'll fight Connor. And you're like, I'm getting sick watching him pick at these open cuts on his hand. I'm like, this right? guy is a psycho. I don't think at, he feels pain. At this point, I think they're going to have to bring in like Tong Po or Bolo Young or something like that. To, you know what I mean? To, to fight Mike Perry and bare knuckle. There was a Bolo reference. Okay, we are... Tong Po, bro. Okay. Tong Pro sponsors. Here we go. Shouts out to podstars.net for everything you do. Shouts out to the rest of the sponsors. Uh, let's let's take a little break. And when we come back, let's talk about the world of professional wrestling. Here on the law. Live audio wrestling. Special friends, you can catch Greg and Brad, your smack daddies, each weekend on the SNME radio network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. Please subscribe to get your smack daddies and the rest of the SNME radio network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones! Yep, you heard it there, and you hear it here. We are back on the Law Live Audio Wrestling. We've been talking all kinds of combat sports. We were talking UFC. We were talking bare knuckle. We were talking professional boxing. And now, now it's time to get down to it. Let's talk a little bit of professional wrestling. More importantly, let's talk about some AEW. Because AEW is uh, venturing over into Canada this week. They've got some shows coming up. But more importantly, the biggest news coming out of AEW uh, is going to be the fact that they've made the announcement. Okay. Sting's last match is coming up. They've officially made the announcement of where it's going to be located. Here's the thing, though. 
like they've announced it that it's gonna it's March of 2024. That's still like four months from the time of us doing this right here, right? Yes, sir. So that is an ins like that's that's like they're giving Sting's last match his own road to WrestleMania. I think that's actually kind of cool, right? I do think this is uh so AEW. Uh, you know my feelings on it. Hit and miss. This is a massive Grand Slam for them. And to do this in Greensboro is poetic. What a way to go out. I mean, because everybody knows Sting and, and, and NWA, WCW, like Greensboro, Ric Flair, that whole thing. The whole Crockett, NWA feel. Yeah. It's just fantastic. What a way to go for Sting. Now, here's my question for you, though, Brady. Okay, I've who got should, a few for you, so you go first. Who should it be against? Darby Allen. There's okay. Um and that's a that seems to be a lot of consensus around there that you know Mr. Darby all in um should be the guy because of their I've never heard that team. before. What you've never heard Darby, of all, Darby in? all in? Yeah, that that really works. Well, that's how it's spelled. It's well, it's kind of like Gigi Allen, though. It's pronounced like Gigi Allen. Starby well, you Allen. never wanted you never wanted Gigi all in. No, oh, a Gigi all in. No, no, <laughs> you don't. People do not Google Gigi Allen all in. So, Darby all in, Darby all in, <laughs> yeah, Darby all in, right? Uh, oh, man. I, a lot of I people don't want are him saying thing now. A lot of people are saying that because, and I get that, I understand that. That's a good little passing. like passing of the torch to a guy who emulates exactly what you are. That's almost like passing it off to your kid, but it's not your kid in wrestling because you didn't train and blah, 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 blah. Other names that have been thrown out there though. Right. What about like a Jeff Jarrett? No, if we're going back to that heat, that, that, no. that guy that can actually go. So you're saying you want to see God, no. up against, up against a young guy. Hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing him up again. If I was choosing Ric Flair. <laughs> no. Oh. oh God. No. Um, <laughs> if I could just pick anyone that's on their roster currently, I would actually make it sting and Daniel Bryan. And the reason why I would use Daniel Bryan, it's not even because I'm a huge Daniel Bryan, Mark, obviously I'm a Daniel Bryan, Mark. We all are. I just think that's the guy who can tell the best story with sting and can, and he's, he's, he could carry him. And, and I don't mean carry is a disrespectful thing either. I mean, like he can get him through that match enough where I think Daniel Bryan could have a half an hour match with sting and sting would be doing less in that match than he normally does in these multi tag matches when he's diving off the stage and taking table bumps, etc. I think, I think a guy like Daniel Bryan is the guy for sting. If I, think that I'm going to choose what AEW is going to do and what Tony's going to do after he has a long night of thinking about it. Um, I would assume it's probably either going to be Darby Allen or it's going to be like Colton Gunn or something like that. It's just going to be something random. Swerve Strickland. Like he's going to just grab whoever's hot at that moment and throw him in there with Sting. Well, I think come March, Swerve Strickland is going to be on a different level doing a whole lot of Let's hope things so. inside of that company. Let's I think hope that's so. going to come sooner than later. But and we'll talk about that if you want. But talking about Sting, who do you think? He, well, listen, I I agree that it will probably be somebody. You know, listen, they're, they're not bringing back Kevin Nash. They're not bringing. You know what I mean? You're not going to. I don't think you're going to get that historical um, side of this match. Do they pull I the Hogan that, card? 
I think it's going to be a, I hope not. I and hope to God thing. not. And here's the thing is like, you don't want it to go down as less than it should. Here's the problem that I see though, is that it's always going to go down that way. And I mean this from the wrestler's side, no matter what you do, the match is never like, if you know, it's your last match. And I'm telling you this from experience, the match is never going to be long enough. The match is never going to have all of the stuff that you could do in it. The match is never going to live up to the expectation in your head, in the fans heads. Yes. In the office. Yes. Can you tell a compelling story to make it mean sense for this being your last match? Absolutely. You can, but you will always have the feeling. I think that even afterwards are like, Oh, I could have done this in there. I should have done that in there. So I hope Sting is very, very comfortable with knowing that there's going to be a lot of stuff that just doesn't get done. So you need to have him in there with a guy who's going to be able to pick up the slack of that side of the match and do all of those things so that Sting doesn't have to do those things and you get to relive. Maybe they do some spots, some old spots inside of that match. Right for nostalgia purposes. The anticipation is killing me and the listeners. Who do you, <laughs> you've built this up so much? I want to see the match tomorrow with whoever you pick. Who is your choice currently on the roster that they would do this with, or Christian that they Cage. could bring in? Who? Christian Cage. Christian Cage. Okay, not a bad move. Not a bad move. You're never going, you're not going to have somebody inside of that company who is going to be able to babyface Sting better than Christian Cage. Cage. Yep. That's a good move. I think it's also, I think it's also far enough down the line, right? That you can use that even as part of your story, a, a little drop off between Christian and Adam. Does Adam turn heel and just work no. Sting himself? <laughs> No, no, no. I think that Adam, Adam takes a, a bit of a back seat for that one night, for that one event that like, for whatever reasons, Christian has put himself interjected into that program to be Sting's last match. Listen, oh. I firmly believe that Adam and Christian, you could see them a year from now before that whole blow off happens. So you got to have a lot of writing in between there. The problem is, is that we're getting even like a steel cage match this week. It's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, okay. So this actually kind of leads into what I was, what I wanted to ask you about. All right. I know that we, we have been in a locker room. We've been in a position where we've been hired by promoters. We have done certain we've things. We've been in the showers together. That's weird. So, we've been in this situation before where we're considered one of the boys or gals, right? One of the boys or the gals. And yeah. um, when, so when Tony Khan or a promoter, any promoter, we'll use Tony Khan for this instance, because we're in AEW makes a decision on behalf of his company that literally makes no sense whatsoever, or is some weird kind of booking that doesn't really develop properly or just comes out of left field. When does it stop being just the promoter's fault 
and transition to the boys or the gals, and the boys and the gals can start taking responsibility for doing some of this stuff. Like, I know you that I've always been in a position where I'm like, I got a job to do, but I have told promoters before, even ones that I'm close, where I just look at them and I say, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. I think it comes down to... Because this is, is a huge the... topic right now. People are, you know, feel like everybody's an armchair promoter right now. So I just want to kind of just put your vibe out there and say, right. what's the actual approach to this? Do you shit on the boys and girls or do you just shit on the promoter or is there like a middle ground somewhere? There has to be a middle ground because if you want a business to get done, you have to learn how to coexist between the office and the locker room. Yeah. As one of the, as, as one of the boys, you you always side number one is always the locker room unless you're into business for yourself then you're a stooge right so exactly. there's always going to be those people there's always going to be those people those people that will try to undercut your spot on the card right mm -hmm. and, and that's causes a lot of bullshit inside of the locker room but i think as far as like if a promoter comes up to you and wants you to do something specific that you don't feel comfortable with doing, but you know, it's going to possibly jeopardize your spot on TV, right? That's where it puts you into a really tough position. I think that you ultimately have to do what's right for the business, not necessarily what's right for the company. Does that make any sense? It it does if you understand what the business means. So, and so what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that you've got that shot, that one TV shot, that one moment that they're trying to promoter. The promoter is trying to get you to do this one thing for this ten minute spot or this moment on TV in hopes that it brings back the next week, in hopes that it brings viewers back to his product. His product is your work. What you have to do as the worker is make sure that you're not doing something that prevents you from being able to be there that next week to perform again. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So there's, and, and, and I think that this is one of those things, you know, listen to use him as an example. I love the guy's work. I've always been a fan of his. But John Moxley is kind of finding himself into this position right now where I think that he's been putting himself on the line and his body on the line almost too much. Right? I don't That's, like what he's I don't like anything he's done since he's been in AEW. It's too much. It's too he's, much. And 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 you see it starting to take a toll. You see it starting to take a toll on his body. So this is what I'm saying. This is what, you know, what you were talking about. Like at what point does somebody like that turn to the office and say, you know what? Nah, I ain't doing I, that. Well, I think with John's case, and this could be a whole side subject that we don't have time to get into. I think that's, that's a guy that they've just let him do what he's wanted to do. And this is what he's wanted to do. Like he praises guys like Nick Gage and all these things hey. so much, you know, and you're like, okay, I get it. Nick Gage has a connection to, the GCW fans or sure. the CZW fans when he was there and all that. But th like that only goes so far. Like you're, if you can only, if you can barely walk at 40 years old, there's something going on, right? Yeah. Like you got to slow down a bit and, and there's for more reasons than one, but yeah, I do understand what you're saying. I think standing up for yourself in the business has always been something I believed in. Now, mind you, it's probably cost me way more paychecks than I probably even realized, but Hey, 
I still have a good rapport with everyone. And it leads to things like your kick in the head this week, your interview with one Just Joe. Yeah, Joe May Legend I call him Just by. Joe? I mean, you can. You can call him Just Joe. You can call him Joe. You can call him Legend. To me. I call him a friend. I was just going to say, he's a, he's a, I don't even know if Joe remembers me, but I remember Joe. And this is how much of an impact Joe made on me. I spent about two weeks with Joe in the first couple of weeks that I started training. Still to this day. To this day. To this day. I utilize things that he gave me in my own personal life. So I can only imagine what this next hour is going to be. Yeah. Well, before we get to that, we're going to we're going to take a break. Yes. Right. We're going to pay some bills. One hundred percent. And we've got a fun little segment. I'm calling it a kick in the head from from now on. It's Tid's kick in the head. All right. All right. All right. Well, this is what we're going to do. This is the law. Live audio wrestling. And when we get back, we're going to sit down and listen to a conversation between myself and a man who has been all around the world and then some and still continues to this day to do so. To this day. So, regulators, law-abiding citizens, we haven't decided yet, but sit right there. We'll be right back after these after these commercial messages. Hey there, friends, listeners, and newcomers. This is Eric B., and I am the host of the Impactful Podcast. On the Impactful Podcast, we're going to break down everything Impact Wrestling each week. That includes everything that goes on in the background, everything that happens on TV, and everything that you're hearing on the news and social media. So please join me each week and live life impactfully. Welcome back to The Law Live Audio Wrestling. Yes, it is that time once again where I get to sit down with some of the coolest people in the world. Um, You may or may not remember, but this is a gentleman who is, I mean, pardon the pun. I mean, pardon the pun. A legend uh, in, in, in not just Canadian wrestling, but in wrestling all around the world. He happens to be a guy who who has been around for quite some time. I'm talking about Joe E. Legend, the legend himself. Joe, joining us all the way over from the other side of the pond, so to speak. How you doing today, brother? How you doing, pal? Thanks for having me on. I am doing fantastic, man. So I want to I want to start this right away. And I want to ask you, okay, because it's something that we get into with a lot of the guys that I ask them. And where did this start for you? I know where it started for me. It was, you know, the the living room of my grandparents, you know, watching uh, old AWA stuff, uh, being fortunate enough to be in Las Vegas and go to the Showboat Hotel for some of those tapings and whatnot. So, you know what I mean? That That's where it started for me, right? But I'm always interested because everybody from so many different territories and what they were, you know, how they grew up. It might've been their grandfather or their grandmother for, you know, some cases or their parents or whatever. Where did it all start for you with professional wrestling? With wrestling, it started for me at Scarborough arena, the East side of Toronto, 
Uh, the Bear Man used to run shows uh, working with the Sheik's team out of Detroit. They used to come up once every couple of weeks. Yeah. And um, basically, my dad took me. My dad was a wrestling fan when he was a kid, and he wanted to do something where his brother brought my cousin, and we're going to do kind of this guy's night out thing. And so we went to see wrestling, and I was oblivious. I had no idea what I was getting into. So we showed up. The main event was going to be the uh, the original Sheik, Sabu's uncle. Yeah. against Bobo Brazil, who was my favorite at the time. Bobo was awesome. And um, yeah, we, we showed up to this thing and I was just kind of baffled because I didn't quite know because I was I was in martial arts at the time. So when I heard it was like kind of a ring sport, I thought it was, it was fighting. I didn't know there would be characters. And I mean, they used to bring a bear sometimes for kind of love. <laughs> so we, I remember going to see this thing and I was just kind of baffled by it all. And like my cousin had been a few times already. So he, he kind of freaked me out a bit. He goes like, you know, like he wanted me to go over like to the aisle way where the wrestlers came out. Yeah. We're going to like shake hands and high five the wrestlers. I'm like, okay. I didn't know any better. And so we go over there and he goes, you got to watch out for the Sheik goes. The Sheik is crazy, man. He's in like league with the devil and, and he he likes to stab people and he hits kids. I'm like, somebody should do something about this guy. (laughs) And then I thought Bo Bo would. Right. And then they go out and they do this cage match and, uh, it was it was it was good. I mean, both of them were lo- a bit long in the tooth at that point, but they still put on an entertaining show. And then at the very end, Sheik fireballed Bobo, blood everywhere, and then Sheik gets out of the cage for the win. And I freaked out. Holy shit, he is in the league with the devil. He's going fire. Huh? That totally freaked me out. And we How- walk out the front, and my dad's kind of giving me the heads up that you know, like, listen, this is this this game is bent, just so you know. I'm like, it's a fireball, though. Hey, fireball. That's not bad. That's evil. Right? <laughs> I didn't know. I was about 14 at the time, right? Okay. Okay. I was and just going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So I got I got a, I remember I got a, an 8 by 10 of Louis Martinez, who was a great uh, Mexican baby face at the time. And I got one of Bobo. And then we went outside. And Dad said, oh, my God, it's him. You got to get his autograph. I'm like, who? And we walked over to this, this well-muscled black guy. And I got his autograph. I had no idea who it was. But my dad was shaking his hand and kind of, he wasn't marking out, but he was still kind of a bit of a fanboy to them. Yeah. I didn't know who it was. And it turned out it was Sweet Daddy Seeky, mm-hmm. who ultimately was one of the guys who trained me. So my first day in wrestling, I met the guy who would eventually, him and Ron would eventually kickstart my entire career into the job. But That's that cool. first day, that whole freak show with the fireball and stuff scared the shit out of me, but it, it put me on, on the path of this weird job. To this day, one of my favorite Seeky stories is seeing, you know, it was well after his day or whatever, but uh, they were doing an event. WWE was doing an event at the, at the Sky Dome at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was like middle of February. Like, it was colder than a witch's tit out there. It was just ridiculous, you know, yeah. Canadian Toronto downtown weather. And this big purple limo shows up, you know, over at the... It- at the, purple at the, hearse. At the, it was the, a hearse. Purple, yeah, the purple hearse that he drove, right? That's Shows right. up over it, like where, you know, where everybody would go in for like media or even like down the ramp to, you know, to get into the place for the workers and that. And he shows up there and he pops out in this thing and he's just got that fur coat on and 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 nothing else. And he gets out and he's like, ooh, it's too hot. It's too hot for sweet daddy. And all of these kids and people are like, who is that? <laughs> I was just like, I love this man to death. Just he's the, awesome. Just the best. Just the absolute best. Did you ever? Yeah. Now, did you ever get a, a chance to, uh, to meet Sheik later on? No, 
No, no, no. Unfortunately, I, I toured a lot with Sabu and got a million right. stories from him. Yeah, but I never I, got to never got to hang with Sheik. I would have loved to. Have. I was just. I, it's always curious, you know, that time when you meet that person because I know what it was like. So the person that it was for me was Jimmy Snuka. AWA Jimmy yeah. Snuka was just an absolute monster to me. But I remember yeah. what it was like when you meet that. You know, you meet your legend. So it's always fascinating if you did get a chance to meet the guy that was spitting fireballs at you or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, the one that actually they say, you know, never meet your heroes. Right. The exception to the rule was Roddy Piper. Okay. I did yep. a TV series in England in 2005 with him. Mm-hmm. It's called Celebrity Wrestling on ITV. Uh, I trained six celebrities. D'Lo Brown trained six celebrities. We gave them wrestling gimmicks, and they did kind of American Gladiators type games, and Roddy hosted the show. So I got to spend a couple months hanging with Roddy. And I was concerned at first, because like I say, you know, never meet your heroes. But if any... The only thing different was that he was cooler than I'd hoped. Right. He was just the best guy. I was I was privileged to be able to call Roddy my friend. And all you had to do was just twitch the conversation just a little bit and you could get a Piper's Pit at any given moment. Because he's the most docile guy ever. Most He's always felt like he was three joints in. Like, how you doing, Rod? Oh, not bad, man. What's going on? <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, I saw you were at uh, I don't know, Royal Rumble or something. Yeah, you know, don't know why I did that. So, oh, probably the payday. Well, you know, when the payday has got to come, the family's <laughs> got to get the money. It just turns into a Piper's Pit. It's awesome. Uh, that's amazing. What was this show? What was it? That it's, it's called It's called Celebrity Wrestling. Did it uh, air outside up, of England? Not that I'm aware. It, was on, it didn't do very well, unfortunately, partially because, yeah, like day one, I actually got a little bit of heat with the office there because they wouldn't tell me what it was about, but they asked, like, they hired me, right? They gave me a contract and everything. I said, all right, I'll go do whatever show you want. So they flew me into England, and then they drove D'Lo and I to ITV Towers to go get the heads and tails of the show. I just knew it was a competition show of some kind, some kind of reality show. Okay. So we go to the ITV Tower, and we go up and meet everybody, shake hands, everything's nice, and they say, okay, so really excited and wrestling blah 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 we're bringing because itv used to run world of sport that was the, the yes. home of world sport which is was british wrestling for years and years so um they go okay so here's this here are these folders and we're looking at the folder he goes and you'll see the game towers there i was like the the game what what are we talking about here and so i flipped through and i go oh it's like american gladiators and like it's almost like in the movies where you like you hear the record skip and the cutlery drop and everybody stops and stares at you the music stops right and they go you you can't say that. I go, can't say what? And they go, it's not like Gladiators because Gladiators are BBC property. This is ITV. I'm like, well, you can call it date rape if you want. It's still fucking Gladiators. I, I, know what I'm, right. I know what I'm looking at. I'm like, well, you know, we spent a lot of money and da, 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 da. they gave me this big song and dance about it. And I said, well, listen, like, like I'm in. Okay. You're paying me a good wage. I'm not telling you I'm not doing this. This isn't a game changer like this. But if I see a, a ricket, I've got to point it out. Because if I see a problem or something that's a potential problem, I don't point it out. Then if something fails, that's on me. But if I bring it up and you can guys can dismiss it, then hey, you know, if it is a problem, it's on you. And I don't want shit to be on me. I said, this is misrepresenting what you're doing. Right. You're calling it celebrity wrestling, which is cool. I mean, I like that. But at the same time, people who are wrestling fans are going to get turned off because it's not wrestling. It's more like gladiator. People who don't like wrestling aren't going to tune in because it says wrestling in the title. So I think you're you're kind of misrepresenting to your audience what this is. Call it celebrity combat, celebrity challenge, something like that. You have Roddy Piper involved. 
So that covers your wrestling base. You have D'Lo Brown involved. That covers your modern wrestling base. Me to a lesser extent, because I have a good name in England, but I'm not the name that D'Lo or, or Piper are. Clearly not. not the name that Piper is. Um, so I, I just, are you sure you want to call a celebrity wrestling? Because, well, we've done market research and blah, 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 and we spent a lot of money and we, you know, trademarked everything. So, all right, all right, I'll do it. And then I pulled D'Lo afterwards and said, do you agree? He goes, yeah, I brought it up too. And they gave me the same like angry talk. I was like, okay. Brought it up to Rodney. He said, yeah, just accept your paycheck and you know, hopefully it goes in more than one season. It didn't. And then they put us on TV against the uh, reboot of Doctor Who on BBC. And Doctor Who is, you know, it's religion over there. Yeah. It's to entertainment what soccer is to sports over there. Like you can't touch Doctor Who in England. So it just kicked the hell out of us, unfortunately. <laughs> wow. Talk about getting buried right out the gate, though. You know, yeah, I've been I'm familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> what what has been what, like have has that that is pretty crazy. I mean, it's cool. It's a it's a it's a game show basically at the end yeah. of the day. But at the end of the day, I mean, you've been around long enough. What's yep. been the what's been the craziest fucking gimmick idea that somebody has come to you? I was thinking about this, you know, when I was like, fuck, Joe's been around for a minute and he's he's done Northern Hell Tour. He's done. You know yep. what I mean? Like it, uh, I had the record of those at one point. I did like 17 in a row. You're a masochist. <laughs> That's really what it boils down to. Right. Because <laughs> I, much, yeah. who can spend that much time with Tony Candela to begin with is poor life choices. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember a, a, a promoter one time came up to me when I was young and wanted to pay me to get an artificial boob put in, right? Just one. And I was like, what? Of course. <laughs> I was like, this is absolutely asinine. But I threw him a number. Uh, don't kid yourself. Course, yeah. <laughs> We're all whores in this job. <laughs> right? What's, what uh, have you had? You had somebody come up to you where you just had to like do a second take. You know, and be like, you want me to do what? And I'm not talking about the just Joe gimmick either. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> yeah, I should have rethought that. <laughs> no, um, well, the one that just kind of leaps to mind, I bet you there's been dozens, but I've been getting hit in the head for 30 years, so it's it's hard to remember. Right. But there was one we were we used to stay at I can't remember the name of the it was like the Intercontinental Hotel in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And it was this, it was a fairly new hotel, but they had the old hotel still attached in the back. We used to call it the IWA hallway because they used to stick us back there. And that's where all the hookers kind of did their business and stuff, too. You could hear them in the next rooms or what have you. We actually had to go uh, knock in on the door. A guy was choking out a hooker, and we had to chase him out. Me, uh, Swinger, and, and Edge. But anyways, neither here nor there. Um, but the, the owner of the hotel tried to give us the impression that he was, like, mafia-connected. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I have no idea. But he was trying to give us that impression. And so he kept standing there in the lobby giving us this thing, you know, I know how to make money at your job and blah, 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 giving the story. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to do an outdoor show in the parking lot in February. Now, February in Winnipeg is like minus 30 every day. That's a good day. And he wanted to, like, build a snow arena where people would sit on, like, snow tribunes, right? Like, right, on the yeah. Yep. And as we walked to the ring, he, want, he doesn't even want us, like, dressing for the winter. He wants us out there in, like, shirtless and wrestling gear and everything. And as we walked to the ring, he wanted snowblowers on each side of us shooting snow over top of our heads as we walked through. And that no, he, I was under the impression nobody would get pneumonia. <laughs> Are you shitting me? Yeah, yeah. And he, just, he was determined this was a moneymaker. So you're not going to draw 
number one, you're not going to draw flies. Number two, you're not going to get anybody to agree to do this. No. <laughs> you out of your mind? No. But he was determined. He was determined it was the deal. He was going to talk to Tony and he was going to make it happen. Never made it happen. <laughs> man nobody i mean and you're pretty weather determinate on that one you know what i mean like yeah, if you, don't have, if, you know if it's just freezing frozen frozen ice instead of actual light light snow because at that point you know it's winnipeg winter so you're going to be shooting like rocks and sawdust and like, yeah, it's a parking lot you're gonna be old spark plugs and coins needles a lot of needles <laughs> a yeah. fucking ton of needles wow that's incredible all right so beyond that tell me tell me and tell everybody a little bit about how you showed up you ended up getting to work with wwe and the just joe gimmick was that your idea or was that somebody else's no it was not oh um so what happened was is um adam edge had gotten a deal and he got jay and jay was in there christian and so they, you know, they threw my name out there and it turned out that I, me and Lenny Lane were two running jokes. According to Kevin Kelly, we were running jokes in the uh, production with the production people, because every time anybody sent in a tape, like a tryout tape, mm -hmm. if they were Canadian, it was a match with me. If they were American, it was a match with Lenny Lane. So it always seemed like we were quarterbacking people all the time who were trying to get jobs. So um eventually they call me up and say we want to bring you in uh, for this tryout thing and they used to do tryouts in connecticut at the they had like a warehouse thing near near titan tower right so they brought us in and everything went really really well they liked me um kept telling me stay in touch we we like you we want to use you we just don't have anything for you right now but please stay in touch so i did it's all right i figured that was just kind of the polite blow off they, well i'll call they won't answer the phone but they always answer Cornette specifically was very very cool with me and then um, I end up getting booked in Germany for uh, Auto Vance for the CWA. Mm -hmm. And while I'm in Germany, um, you know, a couple every few days I call home, check on my family, whatever. So my mom says, "Yeah, some really hyper guy called named Jim something." I go, "Hyper guy named Jim." I was thinking of a local Toronto guy. So what's his name? So she goes and finds the paper. She goes, "Cornetto." I'm not Cornetto. He's not a ice cream. It's Cornet, Jim Cornet, right? I go. He called really. What's give me the number? So I went and got like a I don't know a bag of change to make sure I wouldn't run out because everything's pay phones at the time, right? right? Well, right. you have a cell phone. So I stood there in the rain, called Jim Cornette, and I figure I'm going to call and just uh, you know get his machine, and then I'm going to have to wait for him to call my parents. So I'm going to have to call my parents every day to get the messages. He picked up immediately when he heard my voice, which was so nice. Every time I've ever called Jim, he's always picked up, which is really cool because I've heard he doesn't, <laughs> but he does with me. Nice. And he says, yeah, you know, we want you to come in uh, like in two weeks. We got a gig in Michigan or something. We want you to come in for this uh, another match. We want to see your stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'd already had a tryout match at Skydome, mm -hmm. which honestly didn't go very well, I thought. But Cornette pulled me aside afterwards and said, we love what you did because there were some scrubs, but we knew they weren't your problem. We knew you fixed them. And, you know, the audience doesn't know that, but we know that. So don't beat yourself up because I was like. Anybody got WCW's number? It looks like I'm not getting a job here. <laughs> but they, uh, Cornette's, he, that was one of the reasons he said to keep in touch because the, the guys in the gorilla position seemed to like the fact that I was correcting issues that were coming up during the match. Okay. Um, so Cornette calls me, or I called him from Germany. And he says, yeah, can you come in two weeks? I said, well, listen, I'm in Germany for the next six weeks. But if you can guarantee me a job, 
I'll come home tomorrow. And he's like, well, no, no, stay there. It's perfect. You're in Germany because now I can tell the office we want you, but you're not available. That makes you wrestling's like a bitchy girlfriend. They only want you when somebody else doesn't. Right. So I'm like, okay. So I I did the six weeks in Hanover, went home for three weeks, came back for five weeks in Bremen. Come home at Christmas time. Cornette calls and says, okay, we got a, uh, a few things in mind for you. Please stay in touch. But it's always stay in touch, never, you know, confirmation of a job or anything like that. Right. So I ended up going out for um, Emile Dupree mm-hmm. for the summer of uh, 99, best summer of my life. And I was out there from the last week of May until the end of the first week of September. And we had three days off the whole summer. Loved it. It was the most fun. I was talking about my game. I'm sure you'll know the name Chi Chi Cruz. Absolutely. Best. Best baby face most people didn't haven't heard of, but should have because yes. he's such a talent. One hundred percent. I had the best matches of my life with that guy, and that summer we just tore it down every night. It's fantastic. So towards the end of the summer, I get this call because we were staying at the referees, but uh, Frank Parker got rest his soul. Frank Parker. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And uh, I get a call there from Christian. He says, "Listen, Terry Taylor's about to call you." I was like, "Okay." He goes, "Yeah, they. I think they got a job for you." I was like, "Fantastic." He goes, uh, they want you to be a new Freebird. I was like, eh? Hey? <laughs> yeah, uh, Cornette seems to think you'd, you'd be a good Terry Gordy for the new Freebirds, that, that that role. I was like, I'm not big on Southern Fried Rock. I don't drink, and I wrestle. I don't really brawl. You you sure about this? He goes, who, do you want the job was, or not? Who else was supposed to be in it? There's me, Reckless Youth, and then there was a constant third name kind of changing up all the time. But Reckless and I were the first two. Okay. Um, I remember Scott Vick, was his name was thrown around a lot for this. He might have been the, the most considered for the third role. So I was like, okay. So then Terry Taylor calls me uh, an hour later, and it's totally cool. Okay, can we bring you in? When can you come in? I said, well, I don't know. When, when do you need me? He goes, well, can you come in here on September 7th? I said, well, this is great because I finish up here. My last gig is the sixth. Or my last gig, my last gig is the fifth. Can you fly me into Connecticut on the sixth from Halifax? He's like, yeah, not a problem. So they fly me in. Uh, they say Michael Hayes has to watch me work because he's going to be the manager of the whole team, obviously. Right. So I'm like, okay. So I went and did the thing, got on great with Mike. They give Reckless and I the job right there because we worked each other in a match in the in the training center there. So I'm like, great. And they said, okay, well, here's your contracts, blah blah blah. We'll start paying you right away which I liked very much. <laughs> so then they said, well, we'll be in touch once we have your visa. And it took them seven months to get my visa for a wow. guy who's never been arrested. I, I was arrested once, but it was never a conviction uh, for right. doing security in an illegal casino. Yeah. But beyond that, I've, you know, I think I had maybe two, two parking tickets or speeding tickets. That's about it. I don't know why it took them seven months, but it did. Um, so in the meantime, uh, they brought me down to, uh, Detroit once. I went to the Palace of Auburn Hills to do a show because I just wanted to see what I was up to, if I was still staying in shape, still working, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And um, Michael Hayes, it turned out, didn't want to be on camera. So he just wanted to be an agent for the tag teams. So they okay. threw the Freebird gimmick out the window. Now they didn't know what to do with me. So they flew me in, uh, I think it was in February, to meet Vince. And uh, it was me and two other guys. From, I can't remember who the guys are, to be honest. I wish I could. Um, but it was, I, I got the last flight out of Toronto during a blizzard. They closed down the airport. I think mine was the last flight to leave Toronto. So I get to Connecticut, 
they bring us to Titan Tower and we sit all day. I was I was at Titan Tower for like 10 a.m. I didn't meet Vince till seven in the evening. Oof. We sat outside and one at a time we went for interviews with him. And each of us, he took like a half hour, 40 minutes. And I was the last one. So I was sitting there going, I wonder if he's just going to call it a day. And like, I'm not going to see him at all. I don't know what's going on. Right. But I guess what he was doing is he was interviewing guys. But before he'd interview him, he'd watch a video of their stuff so that he'd be familiar, which is a smart move. Yeah. So he brought me in and like, Linda's so nice. And she's like, can I pour you a coffee? I'm like, don't you have people to do that? Like, aren't you the boss's <laughs> wife? Right. But she's being so sweet. And so it was me, Vince, Bruce Pritchard, and somebody else was there. I can't remember who it is. Doesn't matter. Um, so Vince starts going through stuff with me. He goes, oh, I don't know what it is with uh, you Canadian guys, but there must be something in the water. But you seem to just get it. I mean, you and Ed and Christian and Jericho and all you guys really seem to get it. I'm like, okay, well, this is a good start. He goes, I've watched your stuff. Um, I'm assuming now that it was just a minute ago. But he goes, um, I see you as a halfway point between Mick Foley and Ted DiBiase. And I was like, wow, I got Wow. Okay. What wonderful compliment. Yeah. Okay. This is going better than I could have hoped. So he takes out this little piece of paper. He said, now, Kevin Kelly called you about a month ago and did an interview with you just to get a personal bio of you so that we could decide, you know, how best to get a character that suits your personality. It's like, uh, yeah. Okay. And I remember, I mean, I talked about martial arts background and stuff like that, but on the, on the, on the Indian reservation tours, Don Callis canceled out once last minute said he was sick. I think he just didn't want to do it. Sure. But uh, so they asked me if I'd work twice a night, once under a mask as Dr. X and then once as myself. So I was like, yeah, I'm always looking for more ring time and you're paying me more. So, so be it. But the first night, Dr. X, nobody believes Dr. X is going to do any fucking business. Right. So um, the second night I pulled the goat aside, the ring announcer, we called it the goat. Yep. Uh, so I pulled her aside. I said, I'm not Dr. X. Okay? Say I'm from San Francisco General Hospital Communicable Disease Ward and call me the male nurse. Right. And so she's like, OK. So I came out and I minced it up. I swanned about it was the most effeminate thing ever. And like I would take a hip toss and then I would hug the ref's leg. <laughs> get him off me get him off me and then i start oh hold on i'm almost there i'm only helping his leg and then the ref would kick me off i'd roll out of the ring and sit on a guy's lap and play with his hair just the most effeminate thing you could do i said it makes gold dust look butch right i mentioned that in past but i thought the interview with kevin was over when we were talking about this i didn't know he was still writing stuff down so vince looked at this paper he goes i understand you did a gimmick called the male nurse oh, i was like fuck. oh dear god oh no <laughs> no right because it says here, you quote, it makes gold dust look butch. I'm like, in my mind, I'm screaming, right? <laughs> he puts the paper down, looks me in the face, goes, I never, ever want to see that. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, I thought I was going to wind up being a transsexual Nazi Eskimo or something, right? Could you so imagine? This. Oh, gee whiz. I don't want to. Bad enough with the Just Joe thing. So... We sit there and we're kind of spitballing ideas. And he's like, he said, well, what do you see yourself doing? And I, it was an anniversary of some sort from the Waco, Texas. Um, what was his name? David Koresh. The guy who, David Koresh, that's the one. Yeah. I kept thinking Jeremy Borash. <laughs> <Okay>. David Koresh. <laughs> so the David Koresh, thing, it was an anniversary of some sort was in the news. I said, well, actually, I said cults 
scare me. Mm-hmm. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, it's just the fact that I can tell you, go kill that guy and you won't do it. You say, of course not. I said, I'll give you 20 bucks, cash money, go kill him. No, but under the right circumstances, I can convince you that if you don't, God will punish you and you'll pay me 20 bucks to go do it. That's a cult leader. Right. I find that very scary. I think a cult leader would be a very interesting gimmick. Vince starts humming and hawing. I don't know. You know, we're kind of nonpartisan, non-religious, blah, blah, blah. What else you got? I said, well, here's another idea. I said, what if I were to cut my hair short, suit and tie, and because this is right at the tail end of the uh, grunge era. Okay. I said, all these kids are out there, you know, the flannel, the face piercings, the tattoos. I said, what if I say this is unacceptable? I said, you know, these kids have got to straighten up and get a real job and get a proper haircut. Haircut, you set your watch to and all that stuff. And I have a group and call us the moral majority. If anybody has heat with wrestling, it would be the moral majority. And Vince, of course, no, no, I don't see that being money. And then, of course, the right to censor comes and goes. I was that's say, the point. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I keep kind of beating the drum on the, on the cult leader thing. And he's like, I just don't see it working. I said, well, I'm not saying I'm God. I'm saying that I'm a messenger, but clearly I'm selfish prick you know and then all of a sudden he kind of stares off and goes into total mr mcmahon mode he starts the strokey chin thing yep. don't blame me i'm just <laughs> the messenger bruce get legal on it see if we can uh if that's if we can get copyright on that and we start throwing ideas around eventually it got to a thing where i was going to be a guy who had insider information on everybody right so for argument's sake if we were to do a backstage segment you see Crash Holly sitting there, just you know, his head in his hands. Oh no, I don't know what to do. They're putting me Taz tonight. Taz is going to suplex me and kill me. I don't know what to do. Oh my god! And then I'd just be in the corner going, "Well, you know, Taz does have weaknesses. You know, for the right price, I can let you know." And so he greases me with some money, and I say, "Yeah, you know, he tore his bicep. You go after that arm. I think you got to win." And then he steals the win by fucking up Taz's arm. Okay. And this whole thing is that I have insider information on everybody, and then somehow in the conversation we aligned that with the APA. I was going to somehow be affiliated with them. It was all going to kind of tie together. But then by the time uh, I got, by the time they got my visa together, that was all thrown out the window and this guy, Jamie, who's ferociously incompetent, um, put together that Just Joe thing and I was stuck with it. I didn't have any, every time I tried to have a say in it, uh, he'd get pissy with me. I was like, well, guy, you're you're booking me out of a job here. Like yeah. you're not making me worth any money. And eventually if I'm not worth money, you got to cut costs. And conveniently once the day they bought WCW was the day I got released me, Jason cessation, a few others, but especially me and Jason cessation. Cause they got to pay for work visas for us. Right. So if you're going to cost cut, it's a double cost cut. You're, you're, you're not having to pay for visas and you don't have to pay my wage. So it made sense. They had all these guys they wanted to throw right on TV and they had no TV plans for me. So the whole thing was just kind of a, a big screw job. The idea, like they used me to get the Kurt Angle Hunter deal off the ground. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, Hunter, Kurt's trying to nail your wife. Hey, Kurt, Hunter's slapping Stephanie. I was the guy in their ear. But if they kept me on too long, then the heat shifts to me. Right. And if that, that, that doesn't start at their angle. So they had to get me on there enough to get the heat going and then pull me away. Totally get it. But then they had no plans beyond that. So they didn't know what to do with me. And then I got the elbow. Yeah. It's almost like this weird, like, stooge position character yeah completely you know what i mean so i i, I get but they, it they, but they couldn't even like because uh, I, I remember asking brian gershwitz about it mm-hmm. i said like i don't understand this character like am i am i lying or am i telling the truth he goes well, what do you mean 
I go, well, am I lying? Or when I come and tell somebody something backstage, am I lying to them or am I telling the truth? He's like, well, what difference does it make? I goes, it makes all the difference in the world. If I'm telling the truth, I'm actually a baby face trying to help people. Right. But if I'm lying, why am I lying? I don't just lie for the sake of lying. There has to be a means to an end. This has to help me in some fashion. It hasn't, but it should lead me in the direction of helping me. So if I know if I'm lying or telling the truth, this is going to better direct the character. Oh, we'll let you know. Never did. So they they just didn't have anything for it at all and was just kind no. of like waiting. Yeah. They, wow. they 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 knew they wanted me to start the Kurt Hunter thing and then they didn't right. know what to do after that. That's crazy. So yeah, okay, sucks so, for me. But... Yeah, but I mean, so but obviously, obviously, there's a shit ton of stuff out there in the world, right? But but yeah, it, yeah. it always begs the question though because it's always kind of like been one of those things with me uh, to ask you is like why why go back to Europe? You know what I mean? A lot of guys like flock to the U.S. and you try to get in with that company. I understand probably WWF or at the time was the only company in town, but there was always Japan. There was always other places. Why mm-hmm. Europe? Was it a comfort thing because you would just come, you know what I mean? You'd work for auto so much over there or was it, why did you pick, why did you pick Germany? Oh, uh, well, I married a German. Oh, well, that's where you went wrong. Jeez, man. <laughs> oh. I know, right? <laughs> all, all went south after that no um i i married okay like i'd um let's see how, how did my living situation go living in toronto during wwf mm-hmm. um when i finished up with them i moved out to the east coast to do the maritimes for a few months then i moved to germany i mm-hmm. uh, was in germany for a while then i moved to england for a while because i was doing two and three months at a time in england like six seven days a week Whereas in the States, you just, there was nobody running a full-time schedule. It was a weekend warrior type position, yeah. right? So I could, than, I could do full-time in Europe. Other than out East, it seemed like out East in Canada, you know what I mean? You could but be able that, to that was only a tour but, and that was only that's only in the summer year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, whereas England, when, when I started going over for Brian Dixon, he was running a full-time schedule the whole year. I do, right. like I say, I do, I, I did 67 days in a row once for him Crazy. and that's, that's uh, in the summer. That was uh, two shows a day, five days a week, three shows a day on Sundays and two matches per show because you do like a match and then you do like an angle tag or a battle royal or something. Right. So that was a lot of work. I was probably like from a wrestling standpoint, best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, other than when I worked with Cheech, where we really I, I really was in great shape working with Cheech as well, because he he has a great engine. Um, but Cheech, England was so he... easy. And then on top of it, like. Mm-hmm living in germany it's so central like it's cheaper to fly here than it is to drive like when i go to england a lot of times like to fly from from bremen to england i'll go to i've been i just finished i just got back from scotland uh this past monday it was my 141st tour of the uk congratulations (laughs) thanks i think but the thing is is that i I fly (laughs) it but i fly to england if i flying in for like uh for sanjay for uh ldn he buys a round trip ticket from Bremen to London and back. And it's 30 pounds, which is roughly probably $50 Canadian. Wow. So people fly. I go to, I'm going to Italy in a couple of weeks. That's not an expensive ticket. Uh, Portugal. I've been to France 68 times. Um, I've been to Japan 15 times, most of them from Europe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're being in Germany has been central to getting a lot of work and not to mention I'm kind of, like if somebody puts number one, they put me on the poster, they could put WWE and TNA and everything on the poster as well and not get sued because I was, I was right. there. 
Yeah. But also they have a foreigner that seems like he's from halfway around the world, but actually he's next door. So it looks like they're bringing in talent from all over the world. I'm not just another Canadian in Canada. I'm the only Canadian in Germany. Is there anything that you miss from North America while being over there so much? Oh, sure. Sure. I miss my family. Um, uh, yeah, but you must have enough flyer miles that you could just fly back and forth to like for those visits, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I usually, normally I, I would come home once a year. The whole lockdown thing was terrible. Oh, so I wow. couldn't do it then. Yeah. I did fly home during the lockdown once when my dad passed, but right. um, you know, that's obviously a separate situation entirely. Yeah. Usually what happens is I fly in cause Rhino runs IWR in uh, just outside Detroit. Mm-hmm. And he likes to have me come in like once a year for his outfit. And then I do a whole string of shit in Michigan, Ohio, New York, New Jersey, Ontario. And I do a whole loop through there for a couple of weeks and then go home. So it's never, it's never a vacation. Well, it's usually a working vacation. <laughs> yeah. This, this no. summer, this summer I'll, I'll probably have a vacation in Canada. My mom's making a big deal of it because I'm turning 55 in September and my brother's turning 50 in July. So I'll, I'll probably head in in July for a, a visit, but chances are pretty good. I'll me. Right. Yeah. No, I dude. Listen, I just turned 54. I get it. What do you think of the current wrestling scene that's going on now? Because you've watched it. You've watched it grow from, from where it was when you had your, your tryout. And I, I meant to ask you, cause I forgot to ask you this before we get into that, who was in that tryout match that you had at, uh, at Skydome? Uh, Fuego. Oh, that's who screwed up. <laughs> hey, well, no, there was just, there was a ricket and it happened, yeah. you know, I mean, shoot, I've been in with plenty of guys. I was in with, um, in Germany, I was in with, uh, just incredible. Yes. Who's a great guy. He's mm-hmm. a hell of a guy, but the whole day he was kind of like, you know, don't worry, we got this covered. I'm like, okay, you figure. And then when we got to the batch, he all of a sudden went blank. He's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like really almost panicky. Wow. But yeah. he got through everything fine. He got through everything fine. Just every now and again, he needed a little bit of a reminder and then he was good. And yeah. by the end of the match, we got into the back. He was hugging me. Thank you. You carried me. I go, I didn't really carry you. I just gave you a couple of reminders. <laughs> so, I mean, a guy who's he's a former ECW world champion and everything. So, I mean, I can't lean on Rob. And, you know, when Justin kind of fell off a little bit, I worked a terrible match with Marty Gennetti once in Germany. Dude. He was he was not at 100%, I don't think. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, everybody has an off day. I, I, dude, I can remember one time. I I don't know where it was. I just I'll always remember the situation. I literally forgot to kick out one time. Just <laughs> just have it. I was I was it was one of these like it was like falsy 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 back and forth boom 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 and I was thinking where are we at next and I literally just forgot to kick where out. you were then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck did you just do, you idiot? <laughs> Thankfully, it was on like a like a fair show, or you know what I mean. It was, it was yeah. one, of the, one of those things, so it didn't really didn't really matter too much. But man, it's just didn't, it's wasn't a career burner. Yeah, it's one of those ones that just sticks in your head the entire time. You know, just yeah, like, can't believe I you feel like you sh- so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you shock mastered yourself. Yeah. Oh man, at least that guy's getting you know he got the rub off of it. <laughs> uh, I love Fred. Fred's a great guy. Absolutely. Um, now, that makes me ask, though, what do you think of the because you see a lot of the stuff in the European um, 
territories, the European circuit, so to speak, right? What's going on there. Um, And the current state of what we're, what is being fed to everybody on TV. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Um, To be honest, I don't watch a lot of what's on TV. I kind of read about it. Yeah. I can't sit down. I can't sit down and watch it. Not because it's, you know, unwatchable. It's because I'm opinionated. So I sit there and I, who booked this? I can't, but I sit there and I just put myself in a mood. Yes. So I've decided to stop putting myself in a mood by watching it. What I've seen is that it's, you know, the jobs changed from scary heavyweights to athletic juniors. Right. It's more a junior business now than probably ever. Um, There are some bigger guys starting to come back in, but guys who would have been average size years ago are now monsters. Right. You know, so I think that it's changed in that regard. I think um, there's a lot of guys really obsessed with the, you know, the the Meltzer Star Review. Well, and teach their own. I mean, you're, I, you know, when I see what what we like, you watch Flair Steamboat. That would be a five star match, in my opinion. Uh-huh. I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but at the same time, I, I think too many guys are are, are forgetting for getting personality in favor of watch what I can do. Well, see, like Rob Van Dam's gimmick, was Rob Van Dam's gimmick was all, watch yeah. me go, watch me go, watch me go, yeah. watch what I can do. I'll do three backflips just to do a leg drop. Now for him, it works because his gimmick is to show up. Right. But when everybody does it, then it becomes, well, I don't go for a finish because I got to show you this next cool move that I saw in Ring of Honor last week. And nobody's, it, they're not trying to make it look like a competition as far as a wrestling match. It's a competition on who can do the cooler move. And right. heels should never be doing the cooler move. Uh, uh, so agree. I think the ideas, the idea of how, of how things are structured has, has definitely shifted. And I don't know if it's shifted for the better. So what do you think is more important? Because I have my opinion on this as well. Like, but it seems like, have we gotten away? It's almost like it's gotten away from, from character and mm-hmm. tuned itself more towards athleticism. Absolutely. And I don't think, I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive. No. Um, the thing is, most guys, as I tell them, like I, I, I teach at a lot of wrestling schools. There's two wrestling schools in Hanover. They're both in competition, but I teach at both of them, right? Because um, I, you know, I don't mind. You're such a whore. God damn it, I <laughs> love you, dude. <laughs> you're, you're no, I just, best. I don't, I don't care, you know, what your affiliation is with right. the company. Exactly. I, I'll teach That's you the way it should learn, be. Right? Yeah. Right. But it's, it's. <laughs> The moves make you a wrestler was between the moves makes you a star. Yep. And I think people have forgotten what's between the moves because they're trying to put moves between the moves. Right. Because they want to show you that they can do 10 kicks and they'd rather do 10 weak kicks than one amazingly good kick. Yeah. Like for all intents where I don't like Bradshaw as a person, but I credit him for making in an era where Mike Austin was powerbombing guys off the top rope through tables on the floor into barbed wire and fucking buckets of ill-tempered piranha. Right. Bradshaw brought the clothesline back as a finish. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think if you if you treat moves well, like, I mean, the, the Dudleys treating the 3D, that move is still sacrosanct. They could pull that out today and still get, you know, get the three cat and people would buy it. I don't know if you can say the same for the DDT, which has now become a rest hole. Well, I mean, you know? Cody Diener still, uh, uh, nobody's ever kicked out of his yet. Which is good. He should keep a sacrifice. I, I hope he does, and I hope people people should gravitate to that. But the trouble is, everywhere I look in the business, the super uh, Shawn Michaels knocked out Vader with a super kick. Yeah, and now you super kick a midget, and he nips up and clotheslines. Right. Like to me, I, I 
I think promoters got to kind of dig in their heels a bit as far as show structure and say, okay, well, if this guy's doing the DDT as a finish, I can't have five other DDTs on the show where people are kicking out and fighting back. I think there has to be a certain structure where, where they, they keep moves somewhat, as I say, sacrosanct so that we don't have to make them more dangerous. It's hard when you guys are doing power bombs over the top. I watch videos like that pop up my Facebook feed all the time where guys are running and doing power bombs, like running and throwing them over the top rope. They just bump on the floor, like miss the table they're supposed to hit and just crash and burn. How am I supposed to make people give any kind of a shit about a body slam later? Right. So in turn, now the body slam has to be on something, you know, on Legos and on thumbtacks and everything else. Everything has to get more dangerous just to hold the audience's interest because you've burnt them out on stuff earlier on. So all you've done is make shit more dangerous for your talent. And then your top talent's doing the most dangerous stuff, which means they're going to get more injured and they can't stay on top very long. They got to sit out injured. So you never have a consistent top guy for any length of time because he's always got to take time off because his neck's broken, his back's broken, he's been stabbed. He's got, you know, any kind of blood disease from gaffing all the time. Right. Now, now the question is, do you ever, do you ever run the problem now? Because that is absolutely the gospel, you know, as far as I'm concerned when training and I'm the same way when I train my guys, but I do find that these kids nowadays, right. The people getting into it, they're a different human being. Do you get Mm -hmm. blowback, you know, where they're just like, ah, shut up, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. I've had that, not those exact words, but that attitude kind of thrown right. at me. Yeah. But then at the end of the show, when I've gotten like legitimately, this isn't just to pat myself in the back, but it, sure. it does set a tone is like, I worked Tatanka in a match here in uh, Germany. Yes. We, we got a 10 minutes. We got a 10 minute standing ovation at the end, followed by Ted DiBiase coming out unsolicited and doing a promo telling everybody on the mic that he wishes he could put his boots back on. So he'd get in the ring with me. <laughs> yeah. when that happens the guys who are kind of going ah you don't know what you're talking about kind of get the idea i know what i'm talking about yeah and they seem to change around um i did a, a battle royal about a year and a half ago up in the hearts it's a mountain range about an hour and a half from here for this uh this one wrestling group and i i won this royal rumble it took forever too every time i thought okay this is the last guy then 10 oh for the love of god it just kept fucking going. <laughs> but then eventually when, when I finally won the thing, 10 minutes standing, oh, big applause and everything else. So they can, you know, before the show, they might say, yeah, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. But by the end of the show, they they see that I'm getting over. Right. And they start to get the idea about it. Because I never tell them don't do anything. And I never tell them, okay, do nothing and then just everything at the finish. Mm-hmm. I do make sure that they can, they can paste stuff in there accordingly. And I try to modernize, you know, my teaching to, to the more modern product. Right. Um, but I also try to tell, to, I also try to teach them that, you know, you got to walk out in the same condition you walked in as close to it as possible. And yeah. if you're going out there and killing yourself, I mean, also the psychology of it, like the term suicide dive. No, maybe a homicide dive. Why would I kill myself? That's stupid. <laughs> right. Right. That, that's a dumb thing to do. Right. <laughs> and the idea that the, the audience wants, you know, they, you got to go out there and the audience respects when you go out there and, and hurt yourself. Well, no, no, I should like the whole point of my match is if I could win in two minutes, why would I go 20? Well, I'm not paid thing, by the hour. 
if you think that that's what it is, and there are people, there are people that go to shows just for that. They want to see the crash yeah. and burn. Those are the same people yeah. that go to NASCAR to watch for crashes. Those are the same yeah. people that go to bull rides to see a bull, to, you know, win over the cowboy or something like that. Those are the, yeah, like the jack, the jackass generation. Absolutely, that jackass generation. But if you can go yeah. like as a worker, once you're inside of the business, if you think that that's why people are coming to see you, then you're you're missing the point. You're missing the whole yeah. point of what professional wrestling is, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and my argument's always Jeff Hardy and The Rock. I say, if you watch, like, Jeff Hardy's hugely popular. The Rock's right. hugely popular. Who does more dangerous shit? Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Who's going to be kicking a soccer ball around when he's 60 and who's going to be in a wheelchair? Both of them. Who's, who's worth more money? <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Rock's not going to yeah. be a wheelchair. Rock's yeah. going to be in great shape. Well, it'll be a very nice wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, it's got sweet rims. Like, I mean, Rock is Rock never did anything particularly dangerous. Right. I mean, he got over the less dangerous shit he did. He was doing that cross body two thirds of the way across the ring when he started. Yeah. And then he gave that up and he did a ground game. And all of a sudden, you know, he put personality first. Mick Foley. He would fall. I remember watching him on WCW. He was on the apron and Sting dropkick him. He just took a flat back bump on the concrete from the from the apron. It was horrific to see. Yeah. At the same time, you couldn't t- you couldn't look away. No. But at this, but Mick Foley did all this stuff and he was hurting himself all the time. And people were like, "Oh, I can't wait to see what this fucker does next!" Ha 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 ha. And then he did that cage thing with Taker, and said to himself, "I I can't do this anymore. I'm going to kill myself. I'm panicking my family. I can't do this anymore." So he put a sock on his hand, made the character matter. He's three-time world champion. That's unbelievable. He wasn't a world champion when he was taking all those bumps and killing himself. He was a world champion when he made the people go, oh, please don't hurt yourself. That's where the people were emotionally invested. You also got to remember the office, the office themselves, I can imagine, were like, listen, we can't be putting the belt on a guy who could potentially be out for months after one of these ridiculous yeah or could die in the main event after one of these ridiculous things that he's doing you know so it wasn't wasn't until after that they were like okay listen the character is over and let's give this kid a run you know so Mm -hmm. i mean it's but they didn't care about the character until he put the sock on his hand and decided to be personality correct like they had plenty of opportunity right they had plenty of opportunity because this wasn't his first character either yeah you know so what listen Eh, fucking office anyways <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the trouble that's the trouble also with that uh the hell in a cell now is right. that if they were to do a hell in a cell without a big bump off the cage people would feel robbed right. so now every year one person has to put himself at risk for that company and eventually it's going to blow up it's going to blow up hard and i i i don't want that day to come no but somebody's going to get really 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 hurt and that's going to be on the office yeah, because I think because we'll go some young that. guy's going to think if I don't do this, yeah. they're never going to push me again. And that's my career. Yeah. Well, you saw that they, go tried to do, they saw that they tried to do some of those things in AEW with some of the bigger bumps. You know, they're taking, but yeah. they're clearly they're clearly like you completely padded out underneath and gone through, you know, almost to the point of of cartoonism for the white. What's yeah. the point of the bump in itself? If you if it's just you're just giving away the magic trick so to speak. You right. know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand that end of it either. So, I mean, listen, all of those things should mean something. Uh, there's a yeah. reason that the Von Ericks, you know, did 80,000 people, you know, when nobody else could in the world, right. you know, back then. And it was clearly because of storytelling, 
And, and because so people it, cared about the characters. Correct. 100%. You know, and I mean, listen, at the end of the day, Joe, you've been a character that people have cared about, obviously, because you're still making a fucking living at this. When are you going to wrap it up? Have you thought about it? And have you thought about what you're going to do afterwards yet or what? Um, well, I mean, the, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, what I physically, what I was, well, I've had both my hips replaced. Yep. Um, a couple of years ago, but I'm still able to go. And I mean, I kind of find that helps in my training as well when I'm teaching the students, because a lot of guys who train don't get in the ring anymore. So they can talk a big game and not back it up. I go out there and back it up anyways. The students seem to grab, Oh, okay. He does what we're talking about. And he brings, he brings it to the shows as well. Right. So I like doing it myself. I do, I tend to do more training now than I do shows. Um, but yeah, more shows. And a lot of times when I go, like, like I'm going to Italy and I think two weeks, two weeks, something like that, two weeks, anyways, it'd be my 39th time in Italy. Crazy. And um, they usually bring me in to teach a seminar and do a show. Right. So if anything, it might just slow down into training just being a, a full-time trainer. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, who knows? I'm also signed up to be in a, a whole bunch of upcoming films, so we're going to see how those work out. Uh, of, like, you know, one step of, at a of, time. Of legal tender, or are we talking like you're finally going to pursue that career as an adult entertainer? <laughs> That's right. It's my OnlyFans <laughs> account. I hope you like it. <laughs> tremendous all right joe i know that uh you uh have been so gracious as to you know join us here today and i appreciate my pleasure my pleasure you man it's always good to catch up with you uh let's not uh you know let's not wait so long next time and uh i'm around man call me whenever you like i'm happy to do it absolutely and the safest of travels to you uh if people want to get in touch send you care packages you know send you uh uh emails how can they do that uh my email is legend wrestling at hotmail.com that's where i do most of my like bookings and stuff like that uh there's a bunch of joey legend sites on facebook but you should probably go to my my real name joe e hitchin uh i tend to look at that one more i'm kind of irresponsible when it comes to my social media so it might be for the best to uh to go to joe e hitchin like kitchen but with an h you, you can reach me on there on Facebook. I'm always monkeying around. Uh, you'll find me. Absolutely. Tremendous. Joe, it's been a pleasure. I uh, appreciate the hell out of you. And uh, Thanks, you, are, you are listening to The Law, live audio wrestling. Stick around. We're going to wrap this whole thing up. We'll be right back. Cards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total, Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event.
are back on the law live audio wrestling and chris you've done it again with your kick in the head joey legend i learned so much how do you do this i i you know what i'm i'm lucky i'm fortunate and i'm lucky to be able to sit on the other side of the microphone with people that are just completely compelling and have such great stories and that is just a tip of the iceberg of the stuff that you know joe legend has to offer uh the guy has seen so much in the world of professional wrestling from all levels you know oh we didn't even get a chance to talk about like northern hell tours you know with adam and christian and rhino and and all of those stories the we Tony didn't even tours. get the yeah, Tony we, Hell Tours, man. We didn't get a chance to talk about a lot of stuff. So you can guarantee that there's going to be more conversations with Joe E. Legend in the near future. So You may call it luck. I call it trust. But the luckiest people were the listeners, us in the oh. room, getting a chance to hear that. Now, before we roll this ride out, is there anything you want to plug? Well, I mean, you can always, you can always listen to us. As usual, please go like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is that you have to do on Spotify. Leave a comment. Yes, rate, rate us. Remember, oh, remember those those fabulous websites like Rate My Face and uh, Rate My Fit. No, that was a thing back when the internet first started. We got rid of those a long time ago. We're not bringing those back, man. Well, less yes, we are. Rate our show. Rate our show right now. Go ahead. <laughs> I dare you. Rateourshow.com and rate yeah. our show on your podcast provider. This is me in radio form holding up the letter right now that says roast me. I dare you. Go right ahead. But, you know, leave us a comment. Uh, you can also check out any of my other stuff uh, that I do over on my YouTube channel at TidTalk at T-I-D-T-A-L-K. Uh, you can follow me on all of my socials, Instagram, X threads uh at notorious tid and uh you can send us an email if you want to communicate with us you should because next week we are going through all of the emails in the inbox that have come through so we'll have all of the uh fan feedback good bad negative and differ whatever it is uh we're we're airing it all out next week so send in your emails to uh what is it the law.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com. And we have not forgot about the contest. There's been so many, so many entrants. We haven't got a chance. I don't know if you guys have been able to see this. Pictures will be going up, but I see that Brady right now is wearing a very nice, very comfortable, very small sweatshirt that hey, has the law logo on it. It's a medium. It's a schmedium. Oh, well, yeah, kind of. We kind of. It shrunk a little bit just because I, I let it was a little too big, the medium. So I shrunk. If that's, if that's a medium, you've got two sweaters on underneath it. Stop looking at my neck. Are you wearing a turtleneck underneath a hoodie? We'll talk about that next week. The red light is blinking. I'm on the side hey. of a mountain, sir. Let, give, give me a little bit of grace. Uh, Guys, thank you very much for listening. All of the listeners, we just cracked 100,000 on Spotify. Can't thank you enough. Thank you so friggin' much. You guys are amazing. We will be giving you more week after week. The Law Live Audio Wrestling here on your favorite podcast provider. Chris, I'm done. Tuck, yo, chin.
listening to The Law, live audio wrestling with Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. You can email any questions or comments to be read on air to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com.